what is up what is up everybody however you may be listening wherever you may be listening live on super bowl sunday it's the houston round ball review presents folks talking sports presented by five star properties this show is sponsored by five star properties the dallas-based company owned by a uh alum if you are facing foreclosure or need to sell your house as is for cash call 972-532-SELL that's 972-532-SELL or visit their website at www.fivestarprops.com that's f-i-v-e-s-t-a-r-p-r-o-p-s.com now on the cusp of the super bowl we're just under nine, 90 minutes, now you can never really be so sure when it comes to Super Bowl kickoff, but it's slated for 5.30 p.m. Central Time between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get into that, of course. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to the sports world. When you look at the NBA with the trade deadline, the frenzy that it was, Kevin Durant ended up in Phoenix, Kyrie Irving, Dallas, a whole bunch of other players on the moves. So I'd like to hear from you guys in the comments that are watching. Where would you like to have the conversation? geared obviously of course there is a lot of houston note or houston interest in the super bowl but since i'm a university of houston alum joining me on the show will be chris garner of the houston round bar review who will be on it momentarily he's currently in tampa in south florida because he covered the University of Houston Cougars women's basketball team's game against South Florida that just ended roughly an hour ago. And it was a big upset for the Houston Cougars. They went in there in Tampa and beat number 24 South Florida on their home floor. Now, the final score is Houston Cougars pulled off the upset 71-69. to Layla Blair for the Houston Cougars really was pivotal in that victory. She had a monster game for Houston she had 30 points on 9 of 21 shooting really the difference in that game for the Houston Cougars was how well they shot the ball from three they finished the game overall 11 for 24 from the field as a team Layla Blair herself had six of those 11 three-pointers Layla Blair played all 40 minutes for the Cougars in their victory over South Florida but when you look at top to bottom, Brittany Anyaje, she had 14 points. Bria Patterson had 11 points. Tierra Young had 13 points. And Tatiana Hill, who's not going to stand out from an on-the-box score perspective, she only ended up with three points. But she played a pivotal role when it came to her defense. And she was in a bit of foul trouble. They kind of hindered the Houston Cougars during those stretches there. And, and really, the Cougars gave South Florida fits when it came to their full-court pressure. They just, it always seemed like South Florida was never playing comfortably, certainly in the first half. It was a big reason why they were down double digits early. And I mean, again, going back to Layla Blair, she hit a pivotal shot right at the buzzer as the, the buzzer in the second quarter expired. And South Florida had cut it to within single digits. And then Layla Blair knocked down the three that extended it back to 12. And it really gave all the momentum back to Houston. Now, when it comes to the South Florida perspective, that was their first conference loss of the season. The loss that they, the Cougars handed them, they were perfect 11-0 heading into this game. Now, maybe not necessarily as surprising as this is the second meeting between those two teams. Now, when Houston and South Florida played earlier in the season here in Houston, the Cougars actually gave them uh, a lot of fits in that matchup as well. And maybe another game that the Cougars let slip away, but just overall, it seems like Houston has been, it's been a good matchup for the Cougars in regards to South Florida this season now 
if these two teams meet for third time, it'll be come the first weekend in March or heading into the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament when those two teams could potentially play again down the road in the American Athletic Conference championship game. And really from a Houston, keeping it at a Houston perspective, while this win is great, it's a quad one victory for the Cougars, obviously a big road win, obviously by far their biggest win of the season. In retrospect, it still puts kind of zooming back a little bit. It's a great win, but now with Houston, now that they've won four straight in a row. What they're going to have to continue to do is continue to be playing at that elite level because for them, it's not about wins in the regular season. After the, the bit of a rough start that they had in non-conference slate, they had a rough start to start conference play this season as well. It's all about winning the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament to have a chance at making the NCAA tournament. It doesn't look likely that the Houston Cougars will be able to get an at-large bid when it comes to the women's NCAA tournament. So even though it's a big win, it's all about continuing to, to be streaking at the right time, which it appears like Houston is doing. They've now won four in a row heading into or following this big win over South Florida. Chris Gardner will be joining us momentarily. Once again, he's not on the show right now because he is in Tampa, Florida. Now switching over to the men's side with men's basketball, they had an extended break for them. They did not play this weekend after playing on Wednesday and really what could have been their most dominant victory of the season so far against Tulsa. It was just and I say most dominant, it's kind of interesting to know 13 minutes around the 13 minute mark in the first half, Houston and Tulsa. It was, I believe the Golden Hurricanes were leading Houston 12-10 at one point, And then the Cougars kind of just flitch, uh, flipped the switch from that point on. And really a big reason for that was Marcus Sasser, who had, I think, I believe he went on a personal 12-0 run. He was on fire, and he was a big reason why Houston was able to create separation against Tulsa. Long story short, the Cougars came away with an 80-42 to victory and a lot of kind of shaking up uh, when it comes to the top to college basketball. There could potentially be a new number one team when, it, when you look at the polls. I say potentially because well, we've seen that Purdue can lose in the past and still be the number one team in the country. I don't think that'll be the case in this upcoming poll that will be released at 11 a.m. in the morning central time on Monday. But number one, Purdue lost to the Northwestern Wildcats. Northwestern is a really, really good scrappy team, and they they flipped the switch at halftime. They had a strong second-half performance to defeat number one, Purdue. They suffered their third loss of the season now. So Houston at that number two spot could very potentially be, once again, for the third time this season, be a new number one team in all of college basketball when you look at those polls. But I think it's going to be interesting to note much needed rest, something that Houston Cougars head coach Kelvin Sampson said following that win against Tulsa. He has a good pulse of the Houston Cougars team. And he said one of the things that really the thing that his team really needed the most was rest. And he talked about how going back to January 17th, when Houston was on the road in New Orleans against Tulane, that was really the stretch of uh, a really tough road stretch for Houston where they had played, they played in New Orleans for that Tulane game. Then they had to 
travel back to Houston. They played Temple that following Sunday. That was the first meeting between the two where the Owls came in to the Fertitta Center and upset Houston. Then they had a quick turnaround. They had to fly out that following Tuesday to Orlando to play Central Florida. Then they had to fly back to Houston to play to host Cincinnati, fly back out to Kansas to play Wichita. And then from Wichita, a quick turnaround to Philadelphia to once again play Temple. And then finally they hosted Temple or Tulsa this past Wednesday. So it's been a bit of a brutal stretch when it comes to games, when it comes to practices, when it comes to the travel. So these extra games were huge. Kelvin Sampson said it's really what his team needed. But now we're really going to start getting into the meat and potatoes. This is a home stretch for the Houston Cougars, February 16, which is this upcoming Thursday. They'll be on the road once again, this time in Dallas, to play SMU for the second time this season. The last time these two teams met, which it was back in early January. I believe it was the first game of the calendar year here in 2023 when the Cougars absolutely demolished the Mustangs. It was not that close of a game. And then next Sunday, yeah, this is something, a game to keep an eye on and circle. It'll be the first meeting between Houston and Memphis. This will be home inside the Fertitta Center. And those games are always, you know, those are kind of like the signature rivalry games so far, certainly in recent years in the American Athletic Conference when it comes to Houston Cougars men's basketball. It'll be the first time that the Cougars see Penny Hardaway's team. Again, that'll be this be this upcoming Sunday at 2 p.m. Central Time between Houston and Memphis before seeing Tulane again uh, this upcoming Wednesday, two weeks from now. It'll be February 22. They'll host Tulane again. And then you know, they have to travel at East Carolina, Wichita State, Memphis. And then that's it for the regular season before the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament comes. So when you look at down the stretch for Houston, they're going to get that rest. That's pivotal. Now, something that Calvin Sampson said down the stretch is going to be huge for them is to continue to develop that freshman depth and just depth overall for the Houston Cougars. And it's something that Calvin said all season long. When you look at the five rotational players, the five veterans that the team has. They have Marcus Sasser, Jamon Mark, Jamal Shedd, Reggie Chaney, and Jawan Roberts. That's it when it comes to veteran players that have played minutes, significant role minutes for Houston in previous teams. Then you look at the four others who really, they're all freshmen. And if you ask Kelvin Sampson, there's three true freshmen. And then there's Javier Francis, who's technically a sophomore. But if you ask Kelvin Sampson, he's also a freshman just because of the lack of playing time that he's had when it comes to big, crucial moments. Now, what's going to be key for the Houston Cougars in these last few remaining regular season games as they head into the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament and, of course, into the NCAA tournament, it's going to be to, one, continue to develop them, but get all those freshmen to a point where they're comfortable with their roles. Now, Jarvis Walker, he's beginning to kind of directly quote Calvin Sampson. His peaks are beginning to level out when it comes to his values. He's beginning to be much more of a consistent player. And, I mean, he's been the starter for Houston in 24 of their 25 games that lone exception was a game he didn't play due to an illness but Emmanuel Sharp he's been the first guard off the bench for Houston and really a lot of these games for the past two months Javier Francis who I mentioned he's been at times the first big man off the bench for the Houston Cougars it's kind of an interesting spot at big man because they do have Reggie Chaney in there who's the veteran and Kelvin Sampson can kind of count on him being kind of an anchor for the team whenever they might be in tough situations whether it be against Temple we saw whenever they made their run in the first half they went to Reggie Chaney in those big moments and of course Terrence Arsenal is that other freshman who when it comes to rotational spots they've kind of been 
up and down the last few games, but he's been that ninth piece when it comes to Houston Cougars rotation. So all those players are going to be pivotal roles to, to continue to be at a point where they're comfortable and consistency heading down the stretch because their NCAA tournament run very well could come down how comfortable those freshmen are come March. But on that note, I'd like to remind everyone that's watching that this is Folks Talking Sports presented by Five Star Properties. If you are facing foreclosure and want to sell fast, visit www.fivestarprops.com. That's F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S.com. They're a Dallas-based company owned by a UH alum. Once again, that's fivestarproperties.com. For those of you just joining the show or who may be listening for the, have been watching for the duration of it or listening to our audio-only versions of the show, we want to hear from you. If you're watching on YouTube, feel free to comment in the chat and comment. Of course, this is Super Bowl Sunday. I'll give my pickums when it comes to the Houston, to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. I have can I have Houston in my mind too much, but there are a lot of Houston ties, obviously, when it comes to Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Some interesting note again, keeping it local from a Houston Cougars perspective. Former quarterback Greg Ward was activated to the active roster for the Philadelphia Eagles in this game. I know there's a lot of Houston Cougar fans that would love to see whether it be one play a package for Greg Ward I know in the past when you look at Philadelphia and, and their history in the Super Bowl going back to 2017 when they had the Philly special against the New England Patriots led to the Nick Foles touchdown a lot of Houston Cougar fans have been speculating maybe that's the reason Greg Ward has been called up and there's a play in the playbook to kind of have an extra you know, an extra thing in their back pocket and the Eagles to kind of one up the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, when you look at that matchup, obviously, it's been the two top teams that consistently throughout the NFL season have been one and two overall, especially when you look at the Eagles and the dominant stretch that they had in the NFC for much of the season. So Jalen Hurts got injured down that stretch and they started losing a couple of games. But overall, for the most part, it's been it's been the two top teams. And it's no surprise that they these are going to be the final two that are meeting in the Super Bowl. Now, when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, I've been surprised that they, a lot of national media outlets have seen them as, or at least the conversations have been like, that they're such heavy underdogs which is so hard to think about when they have Patrick Mahomes who at this point is clearly head and shoulders the best quarterback in the NFL they have an elite elite talent in Travis Kelsey who again keeping it local the Houston Texans have really know Houston Texans fans know how much of a nightmare Travis Kelsey can be for the longest time that he's been on the Kansas City Chiefs he's has the ability to be a game wrecker at any point in the game. And overall, the Chiefs defense has improved from previous year's teams. And you look at top to bottom, obviously, the biggest kind of point about the Kansas City Chiefs this offseason was when they lost Tyree Kill, potentially having less explosive playmakers. But this year, it's really been strength in numbers from the Chiefs outside of Mahomes. Kelsey, when you look at it from the offensive perspective, they've had a lot of different players be able to step up and just be weapons for them, which I think has made them much more dangerous when you look at top to bottom. They've done a better job of creating, not just relying too much on Kelsey from a tight end position. They have a lot more weapons that they've been able to utilize. And I think that's going to be an interesting thing in this Super Bowl. I know the Philadelphia Eagles defense has been what's carried them up to this point into the Super Bowl and then 
there's been a lot of argument about the Eagles, who necessarily their path to the Super Bowl has been when you look at the two quarterbacks that they faced in the New York Giants and Daniel Jones, who they really made his life a living pain during the divisional round in the postseason as they went on to beat the Giants. But then even against the San Francisco 49ers, where a lot of talk is they had to play the backup of the backup of the San Francisco 49ers. I guess technically it's the backup of the backup of the backup. If you think of Trey Lance who started this season as the quarterback one for the San Francisco 49ers. But Brock Brady had been playing really good for San Francisco leading up into the NFC Championship game. And it was the Philadelphia Eagles defense that knocked him out of the game. And really that pass rush, how veteran it is, obviously, of course, led by Fletcher Cox up front, has been giving teams problems and that's the big reason why they were able to take Brock Purdy out of the game now Patrick Mahomes something that's been said about his uh, maybe not necessarily being 100% healthy I don't necessarily buy into that just in terms of his ankle he was able to play in the AFC championship game against Cincinnati and he looked you could see in stretches that it was bothering him a bit especially when he might cut in a certain way but I think overall it hasn't really been to the point where by this point he's had I believe now it'll be three weeks since the injury occurred he should be much more healthy and I don't think that I don't foresee that being an issue in this game but joining me the other or one of our other co-hosts here on folks talking sports Willie Gibson how are you doing sir Good, gentlemen. Sorry, it's just you today. I'm sorry. Good. Good, Eddie. How are you? Been a lot of rambling. I've been good. It's been a lot of rambling, but I'm some way I made my way into the Super Bowl, which, of course, Super Bowl Sunday might be the biggest day of the year when it comes to American culture overall, not just NFL fans, sports fans in general. Now, look at the matchup. I was talking about the kind of storyline that's been put forth I feel like there's been a lot of national outlets that have kind of seen the Kansas City Chiefs as underdogs and I was talking about I don't necessarily buy that when you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side but I'm curious to get your thoughts on that no no they're not in my opinion no they're not an underdog at all I mean they they come in I mean Travis or of course Travis Kelsey but Patrick Mahomes is on tap to be the youngest quarterback to start three Super Bowls. So uh, the third Super Bowl um, versus a team, Jalen Hurts, uh, second-year starter, third year in the league. I think that's uh, – no, I don't, I don't see Kansas City as an underdog, underdog at all. Now, who do you think is going to come out victorious in this game and why? Um – I would definitely. I look for Kansas City to come out on top, uh, just because of that that uh, that experience. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid um, versus Nick Sirianni. Um, I think that the, the 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 experience goes a long way in games like this, um, and the nuances of the game, the, the the long the long halftime, you know, things like that. People talk about that those type of things all the time, and I think Kansas City has a team that's built to win this. Uh, they've been there before. They know what it takes. Um, and based on those things, I think Kansas city uh, comes out on top. I tend to agree. I would, if I had to pick, I would say I'm feeling towards Kansas city. Now in researching for the show and talking about the super bowl, I think it's interesting. I found this Yahoo sports article where it was talking about a lot of, 
kind of it, it's not it has nothing to do with on the field stuff, but apparently a lot of bad luck things that are going against Kansas City in this matchup. I'm gonna read some of them because mm-hmm. I'm sure you're gonna get you're gonna get a kick out of it. But apparently the Kansas City Chiefs are gonna have to overcome the Drake curse, and that is gonna come Drake the rapper. Apparently he bet seven hundred thousand dollars on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, which. I don't know if you're aware of the Drake curse, but there's been this long time. And this goes back years where teams that Drake tends to support end up being the ones that lose. Now, I think if you look at kind of the only team that's been immune for that the last few years is going back to 2019 when the Toronto Raptors came out victorious and won the NBA championship over the Golden State Warriors. But outside of that, there's been a lot of speculation that teams that Drake supports don't necessarily tend to do good. There was this is more superstition, but going to Philadelphia, obviously, that's where the Eagles are from and the historic Rocky Balboa statue. There's superstition where if you're basically if you're a fan of opposing teams, don't mess with the Rocky Balboa statue. And Travis Kelsey was one of the players that said, if you're in Philly, don't do anything. Don't try to give us some bad luck. And apparently a couple of Kansas City Chiefs fans went up to the statue. They put Kansas City propaganda on the statue. And apparently that's bad luck for the Chiefs as well. So obviously when you come to the, to the Super Bowl, there's a whole bunch of different stuff, speculation. I think there was uh, the zoo picks where they picked the, literally animals from the zoo to pick the Super Bowl. And a lot of them picked the Eagles as well. So there's a lot of things that, if the Chiefs will overcome, but I agree with you, Will. I tend to agree that Kansas City is – I feel like they're going to win just because, like you said, Patrick Mahomes, I think overall they have the they have the best player on the field. And I think explosively overall, they've shown that they've just been able to find ways to win. And like you said, they're, they've been here before. This is their third Super Bowl. They've been in the AFC Championship game for the last five years. They know how to have postseason success. And I think kind of similar to, and it's interesting when you look at the the MLB where the Philadelphia Phillies made it to the World Series as well, kind of a similar situation where the Astros were the team where they've been into that postseason success so far. And even though they were down to one in that series, they found a way to execute down the stretch and come away with the victory. I kind of see that the Chiefs would be in a similar position as the Astros. And really, they're kind of the similar spots when you look at what they've been able to do from a success standpoint in their respective sports. Now, while we were talking about the Super Bowl, Chris Gardner joined us and hopped on here on Folks Talking Sports. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, he was, he still is in Tampa as he was covering Houston, the Houston Cougars women's basketball team, and they're up to over number 24, South Florida. But before I send it over to Chris, I'd like to remind everybody that this is Folks Talking Sports presented by 5starprops.com. If your house needs too many repairs and you want to sell as is, visit 5starprops.com. That's F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S.com. They're a Dallas-based company owned by UH alum, and they are today's primary sponsor of Folks Talking Sports. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great, fellas. Uh, I'm just going to say this. Y'all know that when I was a fan of the NFL football franchise, I'm going to lean on that loyalty for a prediction today. NFC East, the team in the NFC East in, in, the, in the big game, I'm picking that team. Unless it was the Cowgirls. It ain't the Cowgirls. So I'm picking the, the Eagles to beat the Kansas City team. But, yeah, in Tampa – if I would not have been here, I would not have believed it. 
to see this game that the Houston Cougars won over South Florida 71-69, a game that the Cougs did not trail at all. They, the game was tied three times, but the Cougs led by double digits, I think. Uh, Layla yep. Blair scored a career high, 30 points at 22 in the first half, including a half-court shot to beat the halftime buzzer. It was – they held on, okay? They held on. Layla said after the game, and I'm having Wi-Fi problems here in the hotel, so I couldn't upload the interview I did with her after the game. She said she wasn't tired. She played the whole 40 minutes. She yeah. looked tired down the stretch. Okay, she looked tired, but they held on. They didn't shoot free throws. Great. Only 12 for 23. They committed a foul down the stretch, up four. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to find a way to lose this game. But they held on and won. They were hyped about it. Coach Huey, surprisingly, was pretty even keel after the game, you know, doing a little, little post game, talking to us, me and Jerry Lee Woodley. Um, but he was pretty even keel. You know, he said it's all part of the process, getting better and getting better for um, the conference tournament, which starts in a few weeks and be ready for Fort Worth. And the goal, the team's goal is to be playing on March 9th because that is the championship game of the AAC basketball tournament. So they did enough to win, unlike non-conference, they did enough to lose. So big win for the Cougs. They're 7-3 in the conference mm-hmm. in second place. So, uh, hey, surprised a lot of folks except everybody in their locker room. So kudos to them. And I, I already got some jokes from some of my buddies, alums, that uh, today's win is going to give a lifetime contract for Coach Huey, <laughs> you know, or a five-year deal for Coach Huey. But let's be real. The objective is still to reach the NCAA tournament. And they have yet to do that under Coach Huey. So great win today. Uh, today just shows what they, they're capable of doing. That's what it shows me. But uh, <coughs> getting to the tournament Chris, is the objective. What, Andy? Like you said, that March 9th, that's the target. That's something that head coach Ron Huey told us uh, during his immediate availability before the South Florida game. That's he said, live in the moment, don't look too far ahead, but they are very well aware that that's their goal for this season. March yes. 9th, the championship game in the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament, and as good of his win as it was for Houston, just in terms of it being a quad one, dethroning number 24, South Florida, in Tampa, which I find it interesting, they met twice this season, and it looks like Houston's a good matchup against South Florida over the course of those two games. I will say it, they've both kind of come down to the wire. The game here in Fertitta Center, Houston couldn't make enough place to pull out a victory. In Tampa, like you said, they did just enough to, to hang on and win. But come... March 9th, or come the American Athletic Conference Tournament, because they at the very least, they have to win two more games before they reach the championship tournament or the championship game in the American Athletic Conference Tournament. But regardless of this win, that's not still not going to change the fact that they, they have to win the American Athletic Conference Tournament to make it to, to the NCAA Tournament because they're, they're not going to be an at-large bid. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's only one way to, like you said, do something that they haven't been able to do under head coach Ron Hewitt. And, and, that's reality. Will, you know this. You, you've been a part of us a, enough to know this. Today's win is nice. But they still have not reached the NCAA tournament under Coach Ronald Huey. And that's the bottom line. That's just a fact. 
Wing today is nice. You know, it showed the capabilities of this team. But if they fail to make the tournament again this season, I'm still advocating for a new coach for the Big 12, first team in the Big 12 for next season. That hasn't changed. Yeah, that's 7-3 in conference play. Part of that, I think, is because this conference is not the Big 12. I'm not convinced what they're doing in, in the American would work long-term in the Big 12. But they made 11 threes today. South Florida only made four. South Florida crushed them on the board, 41-24. I think one of South Florida's players, Dulce, not one of Dulce Fankum and Jaju, she had 19 points and 19 rebounds. I think that's what, yeah, 19 and 19. So she almost out-rebounded the Cougs herself. She had 19, the Cougs had 24. They had no answer for her. The Cougs got in foul trouble the first three quarters. But the refs called her differently in the fourth quarter a little bit. The Cougs went to the line a lot in the fourth quarter, but missed free throws, which helped South Florida hang around and get back in the game and tie the game up. But once again, the Cougs upset top 25 ranks, South Florida, 71-69 in Tampa. Salute to the fans who were there because they were not like other fans of women's basketball who were watching LSU South Carolina playing at the same time as the Cougs South Florida game. But, and it's different perspective because South Florida, I think, is still is their first loss in conference play. So they think have like a still a two uh, game lead over oh, the they have a, in the loss right. column. So they're still going to the tournament. They're going to the tournament. Whether they they're going to be the number one seed in the conference tournament. You know, yeah. So none of that. So they, it wasn't gloom and doom for them. None of that. So they're just like, yeah, our streak is over. On to the next. You know, because it wasn't a big deal for them. But ironically, two point win for the Cougs. South Florida's assistant coach was called for a technical foul in the game, late in the game, because she stayed out of the coach's box. So the ref teed her up. Layla Blair made the two free throws. The Cougs won by two. So the assistant coach, she was doing the duties for head, head coach Jose Fernandez, who was not feeling well. He was at the game, but he was not feeling well. So she took over most of the duties. And post-game, she said she was trying to communicate from what Coach Fernandez was saying to her as well as to the players on the floor. And she got carried away with where she was and was she was at half court. <laughs> okay, she was at half court. So well past the coach's box. And she stood there. She just hung around there, hung around there. And the ref just said, okay. Check. And she teed her up. And then she owned up to it because I saw her walk back to the bench and she told Coach Fernandez, I'm sorry, my fault. But, other, you know, those two free throws were key because it turned out being, you know, different in the game. And she did post game as well. So she was talking to the media while I was talking to Coach Hugh and Layla Blair. But, uh, hey, it's a big win for the Cougs. Still got to win the tournament to get to the big dance. And I guess, Andy, you could answer this. If you have your update on Terrence Arsenal's ankle, I haven't heard anything more. I don't believe it's right. serious from, from, from uh, Wednesday. Right? It was Wednesday? It's not one together. Yes, sir. Wednesday night. All these, they start to run together. But, yeah. yeah, to answer Boom Boom, Boom Boom D's comment on the live stream on YouTube, any update on Terrence Arsenal's ankles? And no, similar to you, Chris, we, we don't have any updates. The last few days have kind of been a reset for the Houston Cougars men's basketball team. They'll have media availability tomorrow. 
around five o'clock. So there'll probably be an update on Terrence then. But just again, what Kelvin said after that game, there's a rolled ankle and didn't, he didn't talk about how severe it was, but hopefully the last few days of not having a game for them has, has you know, allowed Terrence to be able to get a lot of treatment on it. And hopefully it's nothing, anything more serious than that. Yeah. And Terrence was, you know, eventually he walked off the court, he limped, but you know, he didn't need to be helped off the court. So it didn't look bad or look too serious. So with this time off and not playing again till Thursday this week, um, he'll play. He will find out more Monday. Not going to speculate. Uh, SMU they did did beat Temple, so won't, I won't say Terrence won't be needed Thursday. But if his ankle could use more time off, John Houston will not play him Thursday if they can avoid it. So just keep that in mind going forward with the Cougs. But Mr. Gibson. Yes, sir. Ohio State men's basketball. What are they doing? What have they done? Uh, They haven't done anything. They lost today, 62-41 to uh, Michigan State to drop to 11-14, and and, 3-12 now in the Big Ten Conference. So 3-12, they're not going to tournament. The big dance, unless they win the Big Ten. No, and, and to win the Big Ten, you're looking at winning five games in five nights. And that's not going to happen. Hmm. Yeah. So in that scenario, is it time for a new coach? Depends who you believe. Because Gene Smith two weeks ago gave uh, Chris Holtman the proverbial vote of confidence. And then shockingly, last Monday – and his media availability, Chris Holtman said, we're fine. Gene and I talked about this beginning of the season. He knew where we were, and this was to be expected. So. Okay. 3-12. and 12. Well, At that point, they were, yeah. were 3-10, and 10, maybe at that point? At that point. At that point, yep. So now, they lost today. So losing today, you have this week road games at Iowa, at Purdue. Um, according to Chris Holtman, he's good. It's all good. I'm good. Me and Gene talked about it. He knows. Oh, okay. So, we shall see. And again, Gene gave him the proverbial, you know, some called the kiss of death, the vote of confidence. <laughs> and we'll see. Have we'll you guys, see. have you guys talked about, um, SMU discussion to the Pac-12 yet? We have not. We also need to get into NBA trade deadline talk as well. A crazy uh, Thursday that was, but we can we can start with the Pac-12. Uh, well, I heard that Arizona State would be a no on the vote to uh, add SMU. Add SMU. Hmm, interesting. I'm not sure of the. I think. There have to be three no votes, and I'm not sure there are three no votes to say no to SMU. I think Arizona State is so far the only one to you know leak out or be public about that as a no to join the conference. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, I think previous you know early years, early shows of folks talking sports, we talked about the Pac-12 should have added Houston when they had the chance. 
and now they're going to add or possibly add SMU. The commissioner was at the game a few days ago, even though pictures were taken of him at the game, <laughs> and there was no comment from him nor the office, conference office, about the possibilities of SMU joining the Big, the Pac-12. Excuse me. But okay, San Diego State, SMU. Will what? What are you? Does either of those move the needle for you going to the Pac-12? Nope. Do you you, does it make sense from a Pac-12 perspective to you? No. I mean, they need numbers. I mean, from their perspective, they need they need numbers. Sure. But SMU hasn't, hasn't moved the needle in almost 50 years since Eric Dickerson and Craig James in anything. So, No. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> How about you, Andy? Does it move the needle for you? No, absolutely not. Especially when you think about who's leaving UCLA and USC and to add, whether it be San Diego State, SMU, or if it's both of them. No, it doesn't move the needle, especially when it comes to any. I don't know how you could be ESPN or Fox and see that move and think, oh, now that you have SMU, maybe we can add an extra few million dollars to TV contract. No, especially when you look at SMU and even in, in the Dallas market, they're not even number one in their own city. True. But I mean, honestly, neither is UH in Houston, oh. you know, for the, for the most part, you know, coming Longhorns, Aggies. Come October uh, 21, you know. it will be the number one market in the city. It'll be the number one team in the city. That's right. Indiana is and it's guaranteed the Cougs football team will beat the Longhorns on October 21st. He's guaranteed. not changing it. He guarantees it. Right, Andy? I don't know. He guarantees it. So we can, talk about, we can talk about that as well as, you know, the conference finally agreeing. Excuse me, the Big 12. But here we go. Andy Yanez. Guaranteed. It be a reminder every time we start – Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna ride this until October twenty first. No question. It's over eight months. So yeah, we're, every show we're gonna be doing Andy Yanez. Remember, Andy Yanez guarantees UH Cougs football will beat the Longhorns at TED ECU Stadium. Guarantee. I don't care if they go one eleven. That'll be the one win. But I did want to bring up this comment by Boom Boom D he says you know guarantee. Time. All right, guarantee there we go. twice. <laughs> but there's an interesting point. Do you guys think that UNLV makes more sense than SMU? And of course, UNLV, the University of Las Vegas. Mm. I mean, From a regional standpoint, it's regional, certainly is. Of course, yeah. But money-wise, <laughs> okay. money and, and um, what I'm trying to say, the Mustangs got older money. SMU has long, older money than, than UNLV. The Texas market, football-wise, you know, is much better, fertile recruiting ground than Las Vegas. Uh, but yeah, you know, reasonably, no one thinks reasonably anymore. They don't care about the student athletes' well-being and all this. So, adding the Dallas market, the Texas market—that's the rationale behind it. Um, it might be inevitable, but yeah, clearly, it's a better geographical fit. No, but, looking at the the SMU, I think SMU in many ways is a worse 
Uh, it's an interesting you found the comparison. I do agree. Like Houston, when you look at Houston and the University of Houston in specific, they're in competition, of course, with UT and Texas A&M. Those are the two biggest schools that are competing when it comes to the Houston market. I think when you look at Dallas, not only is UT and, and Texas A&M a part, a factor in it as well, but you got to think about it too. I mean, Oklahoma's a factor too. Obviously, I think the big one when you look at it from the Big 12 standpoint, TCU is a factor there as well. So I think it, it, you could make the argument that there's much more competition in Dallas with kind of the, the piece of the pie for attention in specifically that Dallas market than you would say University of Houston has against you just UT and, and A&M. Agreed. So it's they're desperate. They're desperate for content. That's what this is from a conference perspective. They're desperate for content for the media partners, even if it is on Amazon and ESPN. They, they want the content for the partners, and that's what that's what it is. But let's talk about the NBA, the deals. It sounds like the fourteen deal with Golden State and Detroit and Atlanta and Portland is going to finally happen. But I, I got to ask you. The question surrounding Gary Payton II, GP2's core muscle injury, the Portland medical staff says that they did not, an organization says they did not give Gary Payton II any Toradol shots or, or pills or tablets or whatever for his pain. I think it's Shams and other media say they did give GP2 that. Gary's agent said yesterday that he did not take any toward all shots. But today, another report says that there is an indication that he was taking and mm-hmm. were receiving toward toward all for his pain. And that the Warriors might file a complaint with the league to investigate that side of the the pain medication or whatever they were giving, how they were treating Gary's injury, but they're still going to okay the trade and go forward with it and have Gary Payton on the squad, even though he may not be able to play you know be clear to play medically for it but three to four months but the whole issue somebody's lying there's got to be something going on i mean couldn't it truly just gary mr payton were you taking any pills we take we getting any shots simple yes or no right it, i mean it shouldn't be that complicated <laughs> right i think so and more so than that he played against the warriors wednesday night yeah so that's where i'm like wait a minute and to complicate it further, he suffered the injury playing for the Warriors last season. Right. So it goes back to last season when he was a member of the Warriors. So I mean, it's it's it's, it's complex all the way around. So yeah, it's 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 wild. Yeah, I mean, he he said that it's the injury taking longer to heal than they initially thought. He said, as a quote from him. Yeah, yeah, I've been playing in pain. I'm gonna thug it out. Come on, man. You know, come on, thug it out. Toughness. You getting paid regardless, man. So you ain't gotta thug out at all or not. If, right. you're pain, if you're getting shots or medication, that's a problem. Okay, that should be a simple yes or no answer. So, but trade wise, the Warriors are doing this one because they thought he could help them immediately, but also they wanted to lower their luxury tax burden even though they're making money handle with fist, but still, why pay $180 million in luxury tax if you only pay 100 <laughs> You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But 
out of all the, the, the deals in the last few weeks, which one surprised you the most? Which one do you think would have the biggest impact? I mean, clearly it's got to be the Eric Gordon deal going to the Clippers, right? That, that just set the NBA on fire. Turned it, <laughs> it just turned the oh, NBA upside down, yeah. right, right, Will? Yeah, Andy? Chris, that's the, that's the homecoming that, that everybody in the NBA has got to be shaking in their boots. When you look at the, the needle move that the Clippers did, and they, now they've got to be favored in the Western Conference. Uh, no, in all seriousness, it has to be Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, there's no if, and ifs and or buts. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the big move. That's the headliner. And that's certainly the most surprising one as well because I can't remember if it might have been Woj or Shams. I want to say it was Shams, but I, I'm not entirely too sure. A few days ago, I had reported that Kevin Durant had met with the Brooklyn Nets, and it, it seemed like they were going to at least ride it through for the rest of the season after the Kyrie Irving trade, and. The, there was a great article output. I believe it was on ESPN Plus where they kind of talked about mm-hmm. the behind the scenes of that trade. And Kevin Durant specifically didn't want it to be leaked. It didn't want it to be a big show. He wanted to go to Phoenix and he wanted he wanted it to be done relatively quick and 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 then the in, in the darkness of the night essentially didn't want no media noise to be around it and it got done and you give credit to Phoenix Suns who they themselves are in a transition phase when you look at it from an ownership standpoint I believe that they had to speed up that process of of that there was something along those ownership lines where it, it didn't go as as a traditional sense and that's could potentially be one of the factors that led to Kevin Durant being in Phoenix too. But when you look at the Suns, they're just now two years removed from making it to the NBA Finals on their own with the really the core of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. They still have those three intact. And now you're adding Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. I think it's reported that Terrence Ross is going to be added. He's going to be signing with the Suns in in the coming days, which, I mean, that's a nice fit for them. And in the buyout markets, I'm sure they'll have other players that, that go to play to Phoenix or go to play for Phoenix in the next few weeks or days. But that, that's that's got to be, I think, it, it opens the window up for the Suns to be championship contenders for the next two years and it's certainly championship or bust for them in these next two or I guess this next year really for the next two seasons when you look at it top to bottom in any team but certainly in the west there's not really a team that has overall as much talent as Phoenix I think the question would be how quickly can they come together and and learn how to gel with each other that could potentially be the question mark because when you look at teams I think Denver's kind of the the big team that they've they're the team that's gelled together. They they know what it's like to play with each other. Obviously, of course, led by Jokic. So I think that could be a team that potentially could give Phoenix the most problems, just in terms of how comfortable they are. But talent wise, Phoenix has got to be the clear cut favorite, and there's not really anyone else that's matches, in my opinion. Okay, go ahead because I, I think not I even think you think the same thing. I'm One because you know my audience. Asked me this last night on Let's Talk Houston Rockets, so I'm kind of more, I'm prepared for, for the discussion now. Um, I picked Phoenix as my team to beat in the West last night. Their starting five is legit. Mm-hmm. Clearly, best starting five in the West, clearly. But if they're healthy, their starting five is legit. CP, Which old and banged question. up. KD is older and banged up. Devin Booker is banged up. So if they're healthy... 
roll. You know, they they it could be rolling. They have a great coach. They have a great coach. Great coach, but their their depth is not as good now because they traded a lot to get KD. So that's a big, you know, that's another question: is their health? Can they stay healthy? And then their depth. Uh, I even I didn't even say Denver is my second team, even though Joker's putting up another almost video game like numbers um, for Denver. But no one's afraid of Denver, mainly because oh, yeah, they, haven't, I agree with that. they haven't done it yet. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, they're the best team in the West record-wise right yeah. now, but no one's afraid of Denver, you know, yeah. honestly. Phoenix is up there. Dallas with Kyrie and Luka. They're an interesting wild card. They're interesting because they can score a lot of in a lot of buckets, but you got questions about them. So there's a lot of question marks with these And their teams. defense. And, oh yeah, and their defense. That's one of the. I, I I think that's probably the biggest thing that could potentially hinder Dallas. They don't. I don't feel like they really have a, a defensive anchor down in the middle. And uh, I mean, you look at their bigs, who they have. Uh, I think from a Houston perspective, obviously Christian Wood, who played a few in, few seasons here for the Rockets, I think that that could be something that gets exploited come the postseason, regardless of the overall talent that they have with Luke no, no and question. Kyrie. Aiden and Joker would destroy Christian Christian Wood, <laughs> no doubt. That'd be like. Seriously, y'all going to help this man because he cannot guard me. Come on, y'all going to double team down here because, you know, what does Shaq say? Barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken all day long. Christian <laughs> Wood, please. Come on now. Whatever. You know, but it's bold moves. The balance of power, I think, with these deals this week has shifted back toward the West a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure. Putting on my Detroit Piston hat, I'm not sure of <laughs> – what James Wiseman can bring to the team. I think he and Jalen Duran could play together because James Wiseman is more of a power forward than he is a center. But his defense is not very good. Were they in Memphis together? Or had had no. Wiseman already left? James already left. Or, I mean, you know, he only played three games. Right. <laughs> so, well, yeah, but, but yeah, I don't think <laughs> Jalen Duran, he was asked that I think Thursday. He said he, they did not play together. No. Um, but Wiseman's defense is, is a rumor. So trading Sadiq Bay, that was inevitable. You know, folks inside the organization to cover the team, it was inevitable. Sadiq Bay was almost getting to a point of the money he wanted was almost like Christian Wood type money. Sadiq, you ain't that. <laughs> okay. It's good of you to think that highly of yourself, but no, you're not going to get the kind of money here. So Detroit trading him, they did that. Sadiq's defense is not very good either. Uh, he's a streaky, streaky, streaky shooter. So Detroit's trying to go in a different direction. But the Rockets, I mean, check it out. The Rockets traded Eric Gordon. John Wall's going to be waived. Danny Green, Mr. Gibson. Mm. Has it been announced? <laughs> Have it, has it been announced from the team? Not officially. Okay. Not officially, but it's not it's, official yet. It's, it's pretty you know, much going to sign with the Cavs. Uh, so Rockets have, for the deals, they have Justin Holiday. And Frank Kaminsky to show for these deals and um, the pick swap and two picks from OKC in 24 and 25. But Eric Gordon, let's pour some off Eric Gordon. He, he's finally mm-hmm. out of here. Uh, the Clippers wish him, wish him well. Officially, all pieces of the 65 win Rockets team is now gone all, from the Rockets. It's now done. Yep. So, but yeah, Rafael Stone finally, finally, finally did something. Got rid of, in my message, got rid, got rid of Eric Gordon. Yeah, because I thought he 
wore out his welcome here toward the end with his public comments and, you know, team about improving and his tweet emojis and all that kind of stuff, all of it, you know. But he was professional here, and it's, it's not often in a press release of a, of a trade where you get a quote from a general manager thinking that the guy you traded <laughs> for his time and served with the franchise. Eric was a professional here. We wish him the best. You know, okay, Rafael, was that necessary? <laughs> I mean, to put in the press release. But anyway, whatever. Rockets in that cap space. Then no elite free agent is going to sign with the Rockets this summer. So that's fill that space via trade, and that's probably the best route anyway. But Willie Gibson, how can Danny Green help the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers? Uh, big time in several ways. Um, one, he is a three-point shooter and a defender that they desperately need on the wing. Um, he's and, – and the big talk all year, and, and rightfully so and, and true, is that Donovan Mitchell comes in and he brings playoff experience. Well, Danny Green brings championship experience. Three championships in his career with three different teams. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes home. He's a second-round pick in 2009 of the Cleveland Cavaliers, spent his rookie year in Cleveland. Um, at that time, he was known as to some colleagues and friends as Dancing Danny Green because it was one of LeBron's dancers. LeBron, if you notice around that, if you remember around that time, LeBron had the handshakes and the dancing in the pregame and all his team, and they took pictures. Well, Danny Green's role, he was one of the dancers. We called him Dancing Danny Green. And so now he's coming back with three championships as the vet, along with Kevin Love, who's fallen out of rotation, but is still actually filling a huge role for this team. But Danny Green now comes in to fill a role on the court, but more importantly, fill a role in the locker room Mm -hmm. as a championship caliber player that can score and can stabilize and be an anchor for the bench going into the playoffs. Andy, I'm going to ask you, and Will as well, the Rockets, part of the, the trade, they waived Boban. But they are expected, according to the Chronicle Jonathan Fagan, to re-sign Boban. Boban is such a well-loved individual across the NBA. But do you guys believe any other team would have signed him to finish out this season if the Rockets didn't sign him again, re-sign him? Probably not. Would they? They always could have. Did did any other team around the league really I mean, Boban's going to – he's going to clear waivers. There's no question. Yeah. So do you you believe – Andy, I'll ask you. Do you believe any other team other than the Rockets would have signed Boban? To finish, to finish the season? I'd, I would say no, but you never know. See, I think the Rockets, I mean, they did it to free up the, for, because of the trade, to free up the space, had, had to let somebody go. But, like I said, Boban's a great dude. He's hilarious. Great, great person. Mm-hmm. But what does he add to a team on the court? He's another locker room guy, Will. Yeah. But other than the Rockets this year, this season, 
I don't think anybody would have signed him to finish out the year to be a locker room guy, especially a playoff team. Mm-hmm. But your thoughts overall, Andy, you two, and Will, about John Wall coming back to the Rockets to be waived. <laughs> I think it's the ultimate... I think it's an ultimate lesson for everyone to never burn your bridges because you never know what's going to end up, how things are going to shake up. And when you have to be a part of maybe a certain, you know, answer to your team or whatever, I guess in this case team, but companies, if you're looking at it from a normal perspective, when you'd have to go back, I think it's, it's, it's certainly a funny way to look at it after the the comments that he had about the Rockets and coaching staff and management I'm told just a few weeks ago that they went viral uh, in terms of talking about how how the things had been run for the Rockets when he was here not in a good way for those of you that may have not heard it which I'm pretty sure most have but I mean it's, it just really shows what the business of the NBA is like at the end of the day it's a business and I mean that's the bottom line. They don't care what what may have been said, and it's all cutthroat because now John Wall, once again, is going to be trying to find a new home after, kind of ironically, being on the Rockets for a little long, getting paid not to play, just to wind up for the Clippers, and then you know, he's kind of in the same situation again. And I wonder how that, that call went <laughs> to let John know, if from the Clipper perspective or the Rockets perspective, hey, man, we're trading you to the Rockets. What? Or from a Rockets perspective, yeah, John, we're trading for you, but we're gonna waive you. You better. I ain't complaining. I'm not complaining play for y'all. I mean, right. How that conversation go? But uh, as of Friday, I haven't received an email update since. But as of Friday, Rafael Stone said during his media call that the deal was not yet done. It was not yet official. But once it's official, John Wall will be waived. This is despite the fact we received an email press release Thursday night announcing the trade. <laughs> so we all think that the deal is done, but Rafael said that it wasn't on Friday. So I, I don't know. And, you know, of course, Rafael also mentioned in that that um, he had spoken to Danny Green and that he had not received an, an indication one way or the other what Danny was thinking. But Rafael said it was possible that Danny was going to choose to stay with the Rockets for the rest of the season. He said that. He kind of hinted at that. He didn't say that. He, he, I, believe, he, no, I believe you. No, I believe yeah. you, but I'm saying yeah, he didn't he, say he, that. He said, yeah, Danny didn't say that, but he said the conversations, know. you know, that speaking to Danny, you know, could go 50-50 basically is what, what Rafael said. And I'm like, oh, Rafael, really? Cut it out. <laughs> you know, stop. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but then, I mean, Andy, you go ahead and do the, the live read for uh, five-star props. says wind it up here on this edition of Folks Talking Sports. For sure, for everyone that may be watching live on Houston Robo Review YouTube channel or listening to the audio-only versions of Folks Talking Sports, we'd like to give a big thank you to today's primary sponsor of Folks Talking Sports. A rare house has had fire damage, water damage, or even toxic mold, and you'd like to sell as is for cash, visit www.5starprops.com. That's F-I-V-E. S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S dot com. They're a Dallas-based company owned by a UH alum. Once again, that's five-star properties. That's F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S dot com. And five-star properties is the primary sponsor of today's episode of Folks Talking Sports. 
So let's wrap it up with predictions on the big game. Mr. Gibson, you first. How can folks find you on social media? And who you got? And give me a score. Uh, they can find me as the Crawl States uh, at Will Gibson Seven on Twitter and IG uh, at Will Knowles. Um, and contrary to you, Mr. Gardner, as a fellow NFC East uh, team supporter, I cannot root for the team in green. Um, so I will, uh, and I, I, I'll go ahead and, and and predict the Chiefs will win. Um, you said a score. Yes. Um, Uh, 34-21. All right. That would have you, the Chiefs, covering the spread, which it's basically a pick The Eagles are favored by one point heading into the game. What do you, what do you say, Mr. Yanez? I agree with Will. I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win. This is going to be their third Super Bowl within the last few years. Obviously, of course, like I mentioned, I think they have the best quarterback head and shoulders, not just in the Super Bowl matchup, but just the best quarter, quarterback, period, in all of the NFL right now. I think they have overall the better talent on offense. I think it, it'll be interesting to see how Philadelphia's defense matches up, but I got the Chiefs and I have the Chiefs winning. I think it'll be a little bit of a lower scoring affair, but I have Kansas City winning 24 to 20 over Philadelphia. And I think Patrick Mahomes is going to lead a game winning drive in this Super Bowl. All right. I got the, the Eagles winning 31 27. Uh, so we shall see who was correct on that. But thank you as always. Oh, and of course, you can catch me on Twitter at ZHR Review. Website HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube and Instagram. And I'm going to post, start to post comments from uh, Layla Blair and Ronald Huey from uh, today's win over South Florida in Tampa, which is where I am. Coos won 71 69 to improve to 7 and 3 in the American, and they ended South Florida's 12 game win streak. But Andy Andes, thank you very much for running and controlling things until I was able to hop on. I love technology. That's one thing we, we are learning here on the Houston Round Bar View on YouTube and this streaming platform as different folks can control everything. We're going to give Willie Gibson the key to the kingdom one day, too, to have him run everything and, and, and help us out and do his own thing as well going forward in the rest of 2023 and in the future. All right. So the game is a few minutes away, I believe, right? Yes, sir. Uh, 30 p.m. Central yeah. kickoff. All right. I'm going to go feed my face and enjoy some water. <clears throat> water. That's what I'm going to call it is water. Right. So you guys take care. I'll be back in Houston tomorrow, Monday morning. And then, Andy, you and I will be part of Less Rage Cougs Thursday, right? Thursday. Yes, the sir. Cougs Thursday. Be another, another Less Rage Cougs after dark. I believe that's a 6 p.m. tip. Yeah, it's not, it's not too late. So 6 o'clock. So looking forward to that. And I'm kind of curious to see where... Um, the brackets, the bracketologies, and the polls have Purdue now after today's loss against Northwestern. Northwestern. You know, last week they lost and they stayed at number one. That never me the wrong way with these polls, but yep, I don't think course. they'll be number one next week or tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not saying uh, Northwestern in the temple and blah, 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 but I'm just saying, you know. 
losing to Northwestern, losing to Temple by a point, instead of losing Northwestern by six or eight. I'm just saying one of these things, not like the other. Mm. I'm just saying that out there, but you know, it won't be an issue going forward in a few months when the Cougs no longer in a supposedly, I guess, inferior conference because that's what everybody mid major. You know, mid major. Did you see what Jeff Goodman tweeted out about? I don't know who like the field of sixty-eight called the American Athletic Conference a mid major. It just reminded me of what Calvin Sampson said way back when he first took the job at Houston. But that it'll be an issue for Rice and everybody else going forward in Memphis. Sorry for y'all. Sorry, not sorry, Memphis. Oh, well. But anyway, until next time, thank you very much to Willie Gibson and Andy Inez, and we will see you. Enjoy the big game, everyone out there. And uh, come back again for more content on the Houston Round Bar View on YouTube. Peace.